So you can't con God. And I want to read from uh, Acts chapter 4, the verse 36 and chapter 5, 1 to 12. Now, now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translates, uh, translated means son of encouragement or son of exhortation or son of consolation. Now, we all heard about Barnabas. And so, um, uh, somehow, as I prepared myself, it made me curious. Who is this Barnabas? And uh, he, his name was formerly Joseph. And he did something good and he sold also what he had and brought it to the feet of the apostles. And I could imagine um, it was a blessing. And if you know a little bit the story of this man, where he came from. Now he was actually uh, from a Levitical family. And we knew the Levites in the Bible didn't have any property. So they were used to get the tithes and not giving something. But here was a man, God changed him totally around. Is there something wrong with my mic? No. Okay. And we see here in this story, and let me read also the further part, chapter 5, 1 to 5, 1 to 12. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge and bringing a portion of the... Of, yeah, a portion he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie? to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last and gave and great fear came over all who heard of it. The young man got up and covered him up and after carrying him out, they buried him. Now there elapsed an interval of about three hours. And his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. 
And Peter responded to her, Tell me whether you sold that land for such and such a price. And she said, Yes, that was the price. Then Peter said to her, Why is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold the feet of those who have carried or have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out as well. And immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last. And a young man came in and found her dead. And they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came over the whole church and over all who heard of these things. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Oh Lord, it's a rather solemn word. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we might understand it's your church you're dealing with. And we are your church too. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for everything you did also in the early church in Jerusalem. I thank you what you did here was right as well. And I thank you this morning that you will give grace to speak your word, to listen to your word, and also to act upon your word in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now Satan changed his mode of, uh, of uh, damaging the church from open persecution and prison he tried now to intervene into the church and bring something in the church that would cause the church perhaps to fall apart through people of the church now the Greek word for devil is diabolos and that means there are two words. Dia, that means through something. And balos means to throw a ball. That means Satan's action are to mix everything up and everything, bring everything upside down. And that's what his name is. Diabolos. Now he tried now through a, uh, through a couple. They were Christians. It's interesting, the first couple of the earth or in the earth was Adam and Eve and Satan tried to them and through them to damage God's work on earth. Adam and Eve just freely and newly being created by God and see and behold, Satan came and she came with the poison of the serpent. So Satan tried in the new creation the same thing. There was a couple. And he injected his poison of lies and things like that into these two, into this couple. 
Ananias and Sapphira. The church was going well and we read that the church was so wonderful and we read in and the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul and no one of them claimed that anything belonged to him. It was all but it was common property to them. It was a wonderful, harmonious church. They had plenty of uh, everything because people sold what they had and gave it free to the church. They brought it to the apostles and said, here it is, that's what the money is. I got it from uh, my acre, that acre or whatever, that I sold. And the church was glad. And so also, Joseph called Barnabas. We know actually very little about Barnabas. Barnabas was a son of a Jewish Levitical family. Now it's very important to understand Cyprus, that island, the big island in the Mediterranean Sea, had very famous copper mines. And if you remember my sermon from before, anything that was on the or in the ground, to whom did it belong according to Roman law? It belonged to Caesar. And also this mine belonged to Caesar. And Caesar actually rented this mine out to Herod the Great. So it was now under Jewish control. And many, many Jewish family left Jerusalem and went to Cyprus in order to make a good dollar. That's why his parents were rich. Now, as we know, he was not allowed, Barnabas, he was not allowed to inquire or acquire any property in Israel. He was supposed to live from the tithe, or from what the people gave. He shouldn't have any problem, and nor should he have any property. But he received, outside of Jerusalem, outside of, of Israel, they were allowed to acquire properties, and so on. And this family was very, very rich. And as we read of him, through a uh, Greek um, writer, historian, his name was Metaphratis. And he knew this story. And he writes the story that actually Barnabas being a Levitical son, they sent him to Jerusalem to study at the feet of Gamaliel. Now, there was another one who studied there as well. It was Paul. And Paul and Barnabas made friends. Then, when Barnabas was in Jerusalem studying theology at Gamaliel's feet, 
appalled at the same. And that's why I believe there's a, a common friendship between these two when they studied together and they were so glad. Now we see, very interesting, that Paul and Barnabas um, were instruments God could use in a wonderful way. Now, B.T. Bart, you don't know them, or him, B.T. Bart, and he writes in a book that actually Barnabas became a Christian, a follower of Jesus, while he was in Jerusalem, and he witnessed that wonderful miracle at the pool of Bethesda. You know what happened there in uh, chapter 5, John? There was this man who was waiting for many, many years. When the pool is being moved to get into, and because an angel of the Lord came and from time to time and uh, moved the water, and whoever was in the first who got healed, or he got healed, with everything he was afflicted with. And this Barnabas witnessed this, this uh, healing. And this made him a follower of Jesus. And he was very active in his youth. And he was witnessing about Jesus Christ and so on. And he also had a sister he led to the Lord. Her sister was Maria. And her sister Maria, or his sister Maria, she had a son by the name of Mark, John Mark, or Mark John. Because his name was John, and he got another name, Mark, by the apostle. Now, in his sister's household, there was church. She opened up her house for the Lord, and we know the story when Peter came out of, the, of prison and he knocked at the door and there was this uh, one young lady. She said, oh, it's Peter, it's Peter. She was so fascinated. And they said, let him come in. She forgot to open the door. We know the story. And Peter came to this Mary a sister of Barnabas. And there they were full of joy. We read in Acts 12.12. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying, hallelujah, we see here what Barnabas did. He was in this very young age a witness for the Lord and he was a soul winner. He won his sister to the Lord and his nephew. Now we know why Paul and Barnabas, they once had a little bit of a clafaffle. 
You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then uh, uh, there was this John Mark. Who's going to take him? Now, who was it? Who took him under his wings? Barnabas. Barnabas, because it was his nephew. And if you're interested in anyone to come to the Lord, it's your own family, isn't it? Amen. Hallelujah. Pray for your family. Pray for your nephews and whoever they might be, that they might become born again. I saw it once this way. Whenever somebody is being saved from a family, God has done it with one purpose, that this one who got saved in a family might be a blessing for the rest of the family, that the rest of the family might come to Jesus. If you are the only one being saved from your family, you have got a task. And God will give you strength that your brothers and sisters might come to the Lord as well. Pray for them. Pray for them. I'm praying for all of my grandchildren. Every morning and every evening, I name them by name. Hallelujah. And I must say, the Lord is working on their hearts. Hallelujah. Don't forget your family. Pray for them till they rest in Jesus Christ and are with you in the family of God. As I said, Barnabas didn't have any property in Israel. But he could inquire or acquire property outside of Israel. And so he might have had from his family because they were rich and they had they worked there in the copper mines and there was plenty of money to be made. And so they acquired perhaps property there. And this what he sold. And he became a wonderful, a wonderful example for the whole church. Hallelujah. And he gave it willingly to the apostles. Perhaps this act gave him the name son of encouragement, son of ex exhortation and son of consolation. Because many, many were poor in the church. And when perhaps this money flooded into the church, anonymously perhaps, of course, it was a blessing for the whole church. Amen? Hallelujah. That's good. Now Ananias and Sapphira, somehow they realized we want to do as well something. When you do something for the Lord, do it because the Lord has said to you and that you might be able a blessing for others too. Now as Satan tempted Adam and Eve in, a, in paradise in order to damage God's work, so did Satan here also with Ananias and Sapphira. So 
they sold their, their property and somehow they said, well, it could be a little bit much. You don't know what, what happened to us when we're older. It's good to have a little bit money on this side. And she agreed, said, yes, yes. Okay, well, when we come to Peter and bring us to Peter's feet, so let me say, yeah, that, that was a prize. And interesting, they were full of greed, but Peter was full of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And we read this story very clearly that Ananias came in and he placed the money before Peter. And Peter didn't count it. He said, is that the money you sold your property for? Yes. And he said, why has Satan filled your heart with this? To lie not against men, but against the Holy Spirit. And he hardly has spoken this word. He fell and breathed his last. God knows our hearts. God knows your heart. Whether you're serving your Lord with, full, with your full heart or whether you're just half-heartedly serving your Lord. He knows you. He knows you. And it's so important that we serve the Lord with all of our heart. Now, after three hours elapsed and Sapphira, she hasn't heard anything. How did Ananias go with the money bringing to Peter? She has no idea. She didn't know what happened. And she came in. And he said, is it really all? And she said, yes. Now we see with Ananias, Peter put in a time of grace that he could understand. And he said very clearly, when it was your unsold, it was still your money. And when you sold it, you still had the control over it. Why? Why did you lie against God, against the Holy Spirit? You have not lied against man. And we know this story. Now she had no idea what happened three hours before. She came in, the same question and she said, yes. <coughs> Peter said, the feet that carried out your husband are waiting outside at the door. And we read, and she fell down and breathed her last. People might say, well, that was a, a real good church, wasn't it? Was it? Of course, nothing unclean could stand in the church. 
That's why the Bible says very clearly, therefore, the unrighteous will not remain in the assembly of the righteous. You see here, God does judge also in the church. God does judge in the church. Now Satan tempted Ananias and Sapphira. Now let's look at the names. We know Ananias means Jehovah is gracious and Sapphira means beautiful. So they had a name but they didn't live up to that name. And the Bible says very clearly in Revelation chapter 3 to one church, it's the church Susadis. And we read there, to the angel of the church in Sardis write, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, you, I know your deeds, that you have a name that you are alive, but you are People speak about you, oh, what a church, so alive. But they are dead. What was missing there? Spiritual life. Singing in a nice chorus, jumping up and down, is not life. It's gymnastic, but it's not life. But the Holy Spirit, who brings of joy in our heart and we sing full of joy and praises unto Jesus. That is a church that is alive. Amen? You have the name that you're alive. People talk about you. Oh, young people, you must go to that church in, in Sardis. They're alive. There's something going on. The music and everything. It, it, it's so wonderful. You must go there. And some went there, let me tell it this way, went there and were disappointed. It was no spirit moving their hearts, no joy in the Holy Spirit. So we see here very clearly they had a name, but they had actually the, the power of it, they denied. Now, Peter was very clear and he spoke these words. Why have you done this? Now, the Apostle Paul speaks to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. And he says something, and that's for everyone. We have to watch it. For the love of money is the root of some evil. All sorts of evil. Don't get fascinated by money. And Paul says here, for the love of money 
is a root of all sort of evil and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. As soon as you are focusing on money there's something coming up in your heart that is evil. Unjust acquired money attracts demons. So I learned it from an elder when I was a young pastor. He said, watch out. At money, demons get awakened. And that's why in a church, money handling must be done correctly. Hallelujah. And that's why I as a pastor never ever touch the money. Like that young boy and he was bragging for his father. He was a pastor and some other uh, boy was there. Oh, my, my father's a doctor and gets a lot of money. He said, you should see my father. He gets so much money he needs two people to collect it and to bring it. That money is not my money. And every preacher, wherever a preacher is, get it right. This is not your money. It's the money of the Lord. Hallelujah. And that's why don't inquire what happening with your money. As soon as you give it, it's no longer your money. It's the money of the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. And that's the way I kept it always. And all those brothers and sisters who know me a while, I never ever touched the money for my purpose. I never did it. And I never will do it. God has given us people whom we can trust 100%. Hallelujah. Now we read a story and I just want to compare this story. In 2 Kings chapter 5 and the verses from 20 to 27. It's a long story. I'm not reading it. Now we'll read a wonderful healing, but a very, very bad end. A terrible ending of the story. There was Naaman, and he was sent by the king from Syria because he was leprous. And he, the king wrote a letter said, so when this my general comes to you, heal him. And we know this story. There was a little girl in his household and she was working under his wife. And she knew this story that Naaman was leprous. And she said, if only 
my Lord would go to Israel. There's a man of God. And he could be healed. Now she told him and said, listen, this girl from Israel, you brought from one of your last crusades and who is working with me. She said, in Israel, there is help from leprosy. And he told his his, uh, king, and he wrote a letter. When he comes to you, please heal him. And the way it's been written, it really, really upset the king in Israel. And he said, well, I'm not God, I can't heal anyone. Now we see this, king, this man, he wants to have anything against me in order perhaps to have a war or so. And he ripped his clothes. But there was another man who was that man, a man of God, Elisha. Elisha. And you heard that a king has ripped his clothes because he said, I, I can't heal him. He is looking for any, any problems in order perhaps to have war with me or, or so. And then Elisha said, send him to me. Hallelujah. It's always good if we have men of God in the church, men of God by faith. Send him to me. And he, he came with his letter, with a stamp on the bottom. And he showed it to Elisha. Elisha said, yeah, well, young man, that was his servant, tell him he should go to the Jordan and he should dip seven times into the Jordan. And he went, he came to the Jordan, and there was all sorts of stuff, green stuff, floating in the Jordan, little twigs and so on. He said, and this... No way. No way I'm not going into this Jordan. And we know his servant said, well, if the man of God would have asked you something hard, you would have done it, wouldn't you? Yes. But here he asked just a simple thing, to go and dip yourself seven times in the Jordan. You should do it. All right. So he went in. And he came out like a baby's skin. Yes. As well, everything was gone. And he was so full of joy. And he went back to Elisha. And then he got out all his goods, you know, all the, the presents. Silver and gold. And he wanted to give it to Elisha. But Elisha said, No. I don't want anything of that. Now, we'll see whether you get this. Elijah had the Jesus factor. What is the Jesus factor? Huh? What is the Jesus factor? The Jesus factor is freely, freely you receive. Freely, freely, you give, hallelujah. And he didn't take any money. 
And he had fast clothes, so nice clothes there. And he didn't take anything. He said, at least, at least. When I go back and go into the house of Rimen, that God, he worshipped till then, but he realized that the God of Israel is a God who can do miracles and heal people. Hallelujah. At, at least I would like to have a little bit of soil. I take it with me that as much as two donkeys can carry. And he said, go in peace. And the whole situation of this conversation, there was a servant. His name was Gehazi. And he thought, well, how can my Lord be so naive? At least he should have charged a healing fee. Now I've said, Elijah had the Jesus factor. Let's have the Jesus factor. Freely we receive and freely we give. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, I have to tell you something. I heard of somebody in Germany. And that's just a story how some people, some pastors act. There was a pastor, he was followed by another pastor and the new pastor was the great pastor. And so he then left the church as well. But he kept book about every soul that came to the Lord under his ministry. And he asked for every soul that came to the Lord under his ministry. That was a German, yes? Some money for the church. Perhaps, I don't know, a thousand dollars or whatever. I don't know, this is just a figure. Okay. That is not the Jesus factor, is it? No. It's not. It's not. Freely, freely. You receive. Freely, freely. Give. Go in my name. And because you believe, Others will see that I live. Hallelujah. Now, this Gehazi, he didn't have the Jesus factor. And he went out. Naaman, he went home. He went out, ran after him. And when Naaman realized Somebody is following us and coming after us. He went off his chariot and said, Is everything well? He knew this young guy. It's the one from Elisha. Is everything well? And he said, Everything is well. But he had already some thoughts. And he said, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, my Lord, 
that means Elisha, he sends me. And we just got two sons of prophets to come here and uh, uh, we want to have some money for them. And he asked how much. And he asked for one shekel or whatever it was. A one uh, uh, bag of silver and gold. And for each one a nice suit. You know, a real nice suit. And he said, take two. Take more. And he put it away. And even he gave two servants to him and said, help this young man with the gold and silver. It's very heavy. It's very heavy. And so he went with, they went with him till they came to the house of uh, Gehazi. And then he said, that is okay. You can go now. And then when he came to Elisha, he said, where have you been? I said, actually, nowhere. Nowhere. And then Elisha said, my spirit went with you. My spirit with, went with you. Is it now time to acquire for vineyards, for servants, for money? Is it? And what was the horrible ending? You can't con God. Amen? Whatever you do, do it with all of your heart and be open to the Lord. You can't con God. He wanted to con God. He wanted to have some money. And Elijah said, the leprosy of Naaman be on you and your descendants forever. And Naaman, or actually, Gehazi went out, and we'll read, full of leprosy, white as snow. We can't con God. With all you have and all you give, do it the way that God knows exactly. Exactly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, the interesting thing, this church in Jerusalem didn't go down. And after this, we see that the Lord blessed the church. And the church grew and grew. Hallelujah. So God may bless you. And let's, let's be open to the Lord in every way. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you also for this meeting, Lord. And we understand, Lord, anything we give to you, we want to give it with all of our hearts.
I will bless your wonderful name. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you that you will bless this church. And Lord, everyone who is here, that you might understand, Lord Jesus, you are the one who searches the heart. Blessed be your name, Lord. Amen.